0: with Teddy Lehman and Tyler Akomis.
1: What's the drink of choice tonight? Well, you know, I, I'm not promoting it, but i like some old cold beer. I think I'm going to have one. I'm not promoting it now. Oh, man, that means it's Friday, and it is 5 o'clock. Oh, I'm a little cold, bears. What that means? Ah, good times. It's that—that
0: is turning my favorite uh, audio clip uh, that we have right now. One because right. it's hilarious. Two because yeah, it means it's Friday at five if we're playing it. And yep. God bless Sam Pittman, but it sounds like he's already had a few when he's saying that after the game.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That is. Um that is uh, some good stuff right there. On and, a uh,
0: fullback Friday, it is uh, very, very good to hear. And I, I, I tried to do a quick count of all the text of the uh, best OU fullback of all time. I'm telling you, man, I, I think Lydell Carr got most of, the, uh, most of the votes on there. And, and, and we can, like, revisit that conversation. It's just a, a random thought about that is, you know, a lot of our conversation was about is the fullback going to be a thing anymore in college football? Will it be a thing for OU? You just got to be – you kind of have to be a different type of dude to play that position because there's not a whole lot of glory that takes place there. Like back in the day you're getting some carries, but nowadays not so much. its I'm sure that there's another position in football like it maybe, but you're going to have the biggest collisions and you're not going to get the same amount of uh, fame and attention as – most of those other skilled players on offense. So it, it takes a different type of dude.
1: Yep. No, that's true. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta be able to block, you gotta be able to to catch, you gotta be able to play on the in line of the line of scrimmage as the tight end. You gotta be able to split out in the slot. And I mean to do it at Oklahoma's offense right now, I mean, Braden Willis is really the guy that, that we saw I mean, that's the modern fullback, right there. Is you got to be able to do all of those things. So, you know, I don't know. Like, we we've talked about uh, who you are going to buy low on uh, for stock for under the radar players next year. I mean, honestly, is every single one of our tight ends at the moment under the radar type of player? I mean, yes. I know, we know what Stogner yes. is and what what he's he's going to bring, but even with Stogner, we're not exactly sure what his role in this offense is going to end up looking like.
0: Yeah, it's almost like, well, he can be like a nice red zone target, but I don't know if people are really identifying him as a, I don't want to speak for everyone, but in between the 20s, do you feel like he's going to do a whole lot of damage, you know, from 20 to 20? I feel like most of his damage people think is going to be inside the red zone, which maybe it is, but I think he'll be more of a factor than just that.
1: I I mean I think there's a pretty high likelihood that he's he's going to be, become one of Dylan Gabriel's favorite targets. Now, I don't know necessarily what that means for like what his reception numbers look like compared to the other wideouts because I mean, let's be honest, a lot of a lot of receptions that we have in this offense are um rpo stuff which we saw Braden willis on some rpos but a lot of it is bubbles and tunnels you know out there those quick hitters on the perimeter where you've identified some space and you're just going to throw it out there and let that guy try and get five or six yards going one-on-one and, and try and get a convoy block out in front so i like, i don't know that he's not going to get a lot of that stuff so receptions wise he may not lead and and I don't I don't know necessarily where, where he's going to fall but like as far as like your more traditional mid-range passing game stuff I think he may be their go-to guy.
0: Yeah, he could be. Um yeah, best fullback in OU history. Again, like I said, Carr is getting a lot of the votes. Mm-hmm. Kitty King, that's just, uh, that's a new text in the 918. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. 1970 Oh, Leon Crosswhite, uh, 1971 greatest rushing team and College football history right. is on there. Um, so we're all over the place. Not as many, um not as many newer name and I'm not saying that there should be any, you know, newer names just flooding this list. I think Lydell Carr is a great answer. I just thought we would see a lot more Dimitri Flowers, Jeremiah Hall because they're more recent, but we're going with more throwback names here. Who would you yeah. say though, um, let's go stoops era and currents? Would you say it's Dimitri Flowers? Would you say it's JD Runnels, Seth Luttrell, Jeremiah Hall? Who's the who's the first one that comes to mind for
1: best fullback? Um Now, traditional like traditional fullback it's it's JD Runnels and then you got Clap and then you got um, Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Rytikowski. Oh, no. Kow- R- okay, Kowski. okay. 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 Those are tradition. your. Gotcha. Those are your traditional fullbacks. And out of those guys, I got to go. J.D. Runnels. Um, not to say the other guys weren't great. They obviously were. Um. Man, for the for the more Swiss Army knife type of player, the the guy that's a that's a hybrid.
0: It's Millard or Flowers for me is who I'm thinking of between those two.
1: Gosh, it's so hard. Probably, probably Trey Millard, but, you know, it, all of them are, are great. I mean, Jeremiah Hall's numbers are probably right there with those guys, maybe better. You know?
0: Well, yeah, with the OC that he had, uh, OC slash head coach, and yeah, 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 yeah sure, I, I, I bet that they're right on par, absolutely, especially with the receptions, he definitely is.
1: Yeah, so I don't know, probably if you're, if I'm going to be pressed on it, I'll probably say Trey Millard.
0: Uh, I'll go Dimitri Flowers just to be different, but yeah, I, I mean, you're there's no wrong either, answer. There's, there's, there's not a wrong answer there. Uh, Let's see. Flowers is the hybrid, says the 405. 918, a trap block by Matt Clapp, was often devastating. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, J.D. Runnels is on here. Uh, Kenyon Rashid is on here. Guy says Trey Millard in the Stoops era. Gunny says love, J.D. Uh, Mike Harper owes Steve Owens a Heisman. This just goes back, man. We can list about 25 of these names. Yep. OU is fullback you. The question is, who's their biggest competition? And I think it could be their old rival, Nebraska. OU and Nebraska could be the best two programs ever for Probably. Uh, fullbacks.
1: Probably. And I know there's going to be some out there that that we're not as well versed on, but those are the two that come to mind, uh, absolutely. Because, you know, the two different offenses, you know, whenever they dominated those long eras, uh, 70s, 80s, and Nebraska into the 90s, that uh, fullback was a huge part of what they did. And it's been trimmed back ever since as uh, more passing has is, is really uh, entered the game. And, and that's kind of where you go. Like those guys have turned into hybrid players that are tied in, H uh, back guys that move behind the line of scrimmage, take the point of attack across, uh, across the ball to the other, you know, from one side of the formation to the other, could line up in the backfield can uh, run routes out of the backfield, can split out into the slot and be guys that can can run routes and block out of the slot. So it's uh it's, it's a position that's really evolved like no other.
0: Chris Tony just wants his name mentioned probably. Did, did you play with him? Uh,
1: yeah, and Chris Tony was a was a really good fullback. Um, absolutely. Thick, heavy hitter. Uh, caught a couple of touchdowns. He he was a traditional fullback. Like, he, he was whenever we first started to kind of transition into the back to the I formation stuff. Uh, as as Chuck Long took over and, and you know, we got to be more and more of an eye formation, power run type of team and kind of transitioned away from the air raid stuff as far as, like, running game uh, transitioned away from that. And uh, Chris Tony's good, good blocker.
0: Kenny King was the best fullback I ever saw. Here's another Kenny King. Leon Perry was good. In the 80s, says Ed in Houston. Kenny King is still the best. So, well, when we did this at three o'clock, it was, um, it was. Uh, it, well, at, at five o'clock, it's Kenny King, and at three o'clock, it was Lydell Carr. So yeah. I don't, I, I don't know if we need a runoff here in the next uh, forty-five minutes or so before we get out of here.
1: Right, but it's all of well a sudden getting very close. I'll tell you right now. Um, Uh, Gundy, the names he gave me was Lydell Carr, Leon Perry, uh, Kenny King, David Overstreet and Stanley Wilson.
0: Did he he just text you those? Uh, Earlier, earlier in the show. Thanks for, thanks for listening in, Kale. Uh, he's probably got a pretty good opinion on that. He's been around for a while and he's, uh, been around some pretty good fullbacks.
1: No doubt. No doubt. Um,
0: um, I, I'm looking at – I just Googled best college football fullbacks. There's not a whole lot of list for best college football uh, fullbacks ever. The best thing I could find was eight years ago, best SEC fullbacks of the last decade. And this just goes to show you that there's not a whole lot of, like, just well-known names out there. John Connor at Kentucky from 05 to 09, the only reason I remember him is because of hard knocks with the New York Jets. Jets Rex Ryan called him Terminator all the time. Oh, His name's John yeah, Connor. yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I was wondering why that name sounded familiar. Okay, that's who that was.
0: Patrick DeMarco at South Carolina, 07 to 2010. Jalston uh, Fowler at Bama from 2010 to 2014. Remember him. Jacob Hester at LSU, 04 to 07. He played for the Chargers for a bit. And here's the name. Like Here's, here's the name. He was on the cover of Madden. Peyton Hillis at Arkansas. That's probably one of He's the better. Was a tailback, wasn't he? Well, he was a fullback at Arkansas. He was in the same backfield as uh, Darren McFadden and Felix Jones at the time. Okay. But was he? I think he was still a fullback with the Browns, right? Or did they like classify him as a running back?
1: I thought he. Was... I thought he was running back, but maybe
0: maybe he was. I know in Arkansas though that he was a fullback, and that's probably. I mean, that's got to be like top three top five college fullbacks we've seen in the past 20 years or so yeah he he was good
1: now if you want to go just before that era like into the 90s like you got to get guys like Allstott was he Purdue he was Was Purdue yep correct Allstott and then you know he he was you know he carried the ball as a tailback and blocked as a fullback there at Tampa Bay I mean he was he was uh, one of the more popular guys in the NFL right there at the turn of the, uh, you know, into the 2000s.
0: Aaron Ripkowski, best name ever, says the text line. It is. Yes.
1: And he was like a, he was a truckload, man. He's an old school player. Like, he's the type of fullback that, you know, you back up because he was, Oklahoma wasn't much of an I-formation team at all whenever he was there, like. I think we were doing some pistol stuff whenever he was at Oklahoma. Uh, still got the worst targeting call I've ever seen in my life at home. Do you remember that? Who are they playing? Was that Iowa State? E- terrible. Yes,
0: I think that was Iowa State. I think that was.
1: Terrible targeting Didn't call. did he have
0: like three touchdowns in his final home game against OSU, but they lost that game?
1: Three touchdowns for Ripkowski? I don't know. I
0: think uh, it was the uh, the Tyreek Hill game. I think he had like th- he had a, like three touchdowns or something, but no one remembers it because they remember that play instead.
1: Right. So what would that would have been, 14, 2014? 2014, yes, correct. Okay, I'll look it up. But, how about yeah. that? Like old
0: school player, he probably had, I don't know, I would guess an old school personality. He and Aaron Rodgers once shared a backfield one time. Find me. Uh, can you find me a uh, more different ball carrier and a quarterback in terms of uh, kind of what they're all about? I
1: don't know. Mean, they may be, be closer personality-wise now than we thought at the time, right? Aaron Rodgers is, He's kind of transformed himself a little bit. Not that Ripkowski is a stoner or anything. I'm just saying, like, uh, Aaron Rodgers, I think in a weird way, even though he's kind of gone off the deep end, He's probably way more relatable in a locker room now than he's ever been. Just chill out,
0: man. It's all good. good. Yeah. Not as high strung anymore.
1: A lot of positive Mm -hmm. energy in here.
0: I'm going to guess that if, uh, you know, you like to smoke weed, then you're probably very relatable in an NFL locker room. That would just be a guess of mine.
1: What about if you like to drop acid like Aaron Rodgers does? Is that (laughs) maybe not as relatable, but (laughs) you
0: can find a way to connect with people through that, I'm sure.
1: Oh, that's great. Fantastic. Did I miss stuff.
0: the JD Runnels love, says the text line? Yes, you did. Yeah. Like we said, Bob does not play favorites. He hates to play favorites. We don't ask him about favorites, but he has once said that JD Runnels was one of his favorites.
1: Yeah. Yep. And he could absolutely. Like, JD Runnels is the best true fullback during the Stoops era. Like, line up in the eye and just. Run ISO, run Power O, and just absolutely thump people.
0: And Derek Johnson, everyone's still like, oh, what a great linebacker he was at Texas. One of the best linebackers in Big 12 history. Like, oh, oh, okay. But didn't he turn down uh, a lot from JD Runnels in some of those OU Texas games?
1: Yes. Yes. Like down to his knees, trying to take JD's legs out. Mm.
0: Didn't want that stuff. He was out. Which
1: I don't blame the guy. I mean, come on. I, you know. Uh, I know what his thought process is, but when there's two, you can make a pile. When it's one-on-one, let's go. Go be a man.
0: Yeah. Chris Tony had the best haircut, says <laughs> a 405. Ripkowski the had the cut. best calves.
1: The the old bowl cut from Chris Tony. Good stuff.
0: He had a bowl cut? Man, you got to get back to that.
1: I th- I th- if that's what they're talking about, I think so. I don't know.
0: OU tried to get a recruit with the bowl cut in 2023 to Celia Kana, but he picked Texas on signing day,
1: unfortunately. What? What? Okay, just kind of a weird transition here. What guys do you think – God, you're such a pathetic loser, by the way.
0: Okay, that's interesting. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to call you a pathetic loser before I even get the question out. Go, Go ahead. I'm intrigued now. I just brought up – well,
1: hang on. I, it's a different th- – I just brought up the 2014 Oklahoma State box uh, score. Yeah. Ripkowski, one-yard touchdown run. Uh-huh. Ripkowski, two-yard touchdown pass from Cody Thomas. That's two. Uh, Ripkowski, one-yard touchdown run.
0: That's three. I told you. <sighs> hey, I, I don't disagree with your previous statement, by the way. It's fair. We have identified that I am a nerd, but I was just, I was just flexing a little bit. On Friday, well, that I, that what I, remember I was that. going
1: to ask you is of the Akana kid, the, um, oh, what's the kid? The uh, Vosick and um, Hicks, the three D linemen slash edge guys from last year that we thought we had. We had uh, Vosic committed, thought we had a really good chance at the other two. They end up going to Texas and, and A&M. Of those three guys, who do you think is least likely to finish their career at the school that they're at, and would Oklahoma factor in in the portal for them?
0: Uh, Vosick is the most likely to finish his career at Texas. I mean, I I think we could both agree on that. Um, It comes down to Akana or Hicks. Akana, I would say probably – I would say Hicks just because of the mass exodus – that has been happening with a And M starting in yeah. Last you may have a coaching cycle. change you know, next year. Now, yeah. now your other part of your question is probably the most important. Would OU take him? It almost kind of depends on what situation you're in moving forward, right? At the like, rate yeah. at the rate that they're recruiting, and if if what happens in this class and the next class, what like what I think is going to happen happens, I would probably say no to that because they be picked a And M based on nil. But if you're in a really desperate spot, then you're in. Like if this was, if that was this off season, they're in no position to say no to that, right? But I, and, I would, I would probably guess no on that.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, it's also, you know, I don't know. It'll depend on what he looks like as a player too, right? I mean, I, I know he projects really high, but we'll see if that that's what it actually looks like out there on the field. Um, so. So,
0: all that to say you're not impressed with me remembering that Ripkowski had three touchdowns in Bedlam in
1: 2014? No, I am impressed. That's good. But I've passed the point of being impressed and just settled on the fact that you're a loser. Yeah. So well, hey, that's
0: how I wanted to send you into your spring break week,
1: you know? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. Um, oh, hey, before we hit a timeout, I've got a couple of names for fullbacks. Okay. Um Najee Davenport from Miami, that's, the a good, U. that's a good one, yep. And then I can't believe I forgot this one. Florida State, Greg Jones.
0: Yeah, those are both single-digit number uh, wears, right? Didn't Greg Jones wear, like, number six at Florida State? And Five
1: or six, yeah. I and he has that he, famous stiff arm against North Carolina. So
0: they were, I don't know if they were huge underdogs. Maybe it was before, like, the o 2 OU Texas game. But he had a day against a really good Miami team. Maybe it's the 0-1 game. And he almost like kind of almost single-handedly beat Miami that day. But I think they missed another field goal to lose to the Canes that afternoon. But, yeah, Yeah. he's good.
1: A couple of good ones there. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on here from Riverwind. Stay with us.
0: The word is spreading and the ref army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only one station for true... Texas has some thoughts on the uh, UT Alabama game coming up this year. Okay. He says Texas was ahead until like the last 15 seconds of the game last year, and Texas would have won it had it not been for what was then the reigning Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young being able to evade a tackle that would have led to a sack and that would have prevented Alabama from getting within field goal range to win the game. That's how close the game was. Now, some more analysis. Texas has more returning starters than Alabama does. The quarterback that was literally running all over Alabama, Quinn Ewers, was injured early in the game, and he'll be starting again doing a great job. If he gets hurt, he's got a pretty good backup in Manning. I have seen what appears to be Alabama's starting quarterback, and he is no Bryce Young. So I'm going to say it's going to be 27-21 Texas Longhorns. Greg Abbott picking UT. Going with the uh he's going with the feel steel method. Well, Texas is going to win cuz they got more returning starters. That's why.
1: I mean, that's important, but <laughs> Dude, stay off the Orange Bloods, man. Come on.
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously.
1: Let's go. No, I mean, hey, um, I Texas fans have, in my opinion, re, good good reason, as much reason as they've had in a long time to be optimistic about the direction of the program. Now, does that mean that they're going to go down to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama, which may be the biggest factor that he left out is they're going on the road. Right. They're not at home in the first decent, um, uh, decent crowd and environment that they've created there in two decades. Right. They're going on the road to Alabama. Going to be a totally different story. So. Um, I Alabama, I'll take them to win that football game until I see otherwise, if if Texas somehow beats them. And they play again next year, I'll take Alabama to win that one too. Yeah, and that's
0: a pretty good way to go about until it. the
1: end of time, until until something changes. But I that being said, I do believe, and I've said you've heard me say this, I think Sarkeesian has done a good job there, and the program is in a much better position now in all kinds of different reasons than it's been since Mac Brown left.
0: So in that statement Greg Abbott said, "The quarterback that was literally running all over Alabama, Quinn Ewers, was injured early in the game. Now I know what he means. At least I think he means that he was throwing the ball well because he was. At least I hope so because I he didn't register a a, a rushing attempt in that game. He's saying that Quinn Ewers was running all over Alabama, but Quinn Ewers had zero carries in that game." Texas yeah. as a team had 33 carries for 79 yards, so nobody from Texas was running all over Alabama.
1: If I remember right, I think that maybe Quinn Ewers got like avoided some some rushes in the pocket and got outside and created some plays out on the run, throwing the football. But you're right; it's not like he was he was running the ball uh, all over him, but. He was, I'm looking at the stats, he was 9 of 12 for 134 early in that game, and the Alabama defense was having a hard time getting to him, and they were on their heels, and really were on their heels the entire game. Yep. Hudson Card came in, and I, I know Quinn Ewers was good. He was 9 of 12 for 134, but Hudson Card came in after Alabama's kind of, like, settled a little bit. And he still performed pretty good. I mean, fourteen to twenty-two. It's not like Hudson Card was terrible, but Quinn Ewers did have a really good start to that game.
0: Yeah, and I think that we we saw last year that that wasn't some banner Alabama team either. But Texas played well that day for sure. I mean, I, I guess give them credit; they still were an eight-win football team, and that's what this text says: is uh, Texas went eight and five last year, and suddenly they should be optimistic. OU had better not go eight and five next year. 5 right. and 7 and 8 and 5 is a good job at Texas. Herman was better than that. In his second year, he won the Sugar Bowl.
1: Right. Well. Yeah. I I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I like I said, I still believe that Texas is in pretty good position. I like their defensive staff. They've got a really good offensive line coach. I think Sarkeesian's offense is it's really good, innovative, um, you know, can be difficult. But uh, they haven't been able to run the ball. And they ain't going to do anything next year or the year after, the year after that, if they can't run the football. And without B. John Robinson, they have not been able to do th- They have been terrible trying to run the ball. Terrible,
0: as you like to say. To be aren't. fired. Texas, Alabama is uh, number seven in 24/7s list of the highly anticipated college football rematches during the 2023 season. Yeah, so rematches It was a from good game.
1: Year. It was a good game.
0: Tell me if you're interested in some of these and your early thoughts on them. Uh, at number 10, Notre Dame at Clemson November 4th.
1: Absolutely. Uh, big year for Clemson. new offensive coordinator. What I'm 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 sure Klebnik's going to be the guy right out of the gate, right? Yes, yes,
0: he will be. I don't know who else it would be. It better be him.
1: Who's going to be the Q at Notre Dame? Uh,
0: the Sam Hartman transferred there, right, from Wake Forest. That's right. Yeah, that's right. At, okay. at number nine, all of our uh, second favorite team, Utah, is at USC on October 21st.
1: Uh, I've got a lot of interest in that. Two, ab. Uh, absolute thrillers a year ago between those two teams
0: at number eight tcu at k-state on october 21st rematch of the big 12 title game
1: uh i'm interested in that now there is a caveat we'll see i i don't know what to make of tcu right now i really don't uh, if tc if they can recapture any of the magic that they had a year ago that game has a chance to be really interesting but uh I think that, the, you know, uh, my hunch is they take quite a bit of a step back, and I think K-State's going to be pretty salty.
0: Texas at Bama, we just talked about that at 7. The first sentence in this says, Nobody inside the Texas locker room wants to play Alabama more this season than quarterback Quinn Ewers.
1: And he may be watching it from the side <laughs> Yeah, Yes,
0: Arch Manning goes in there, too. Yeah, uh, Six is Ohio State at Notre Dame, September 23rd. Yeah.
1: I'm interested in that. Uh, really, does it? Does any Ohio State game matter anymore in, in, in over the Michigan game? I mean, that's Michigan two straight. Like that's going to be. And this
0: was in the big house this year, so oh yeah, boy.
1: that is going. And they got their quarterback coming back. Michigan's going to be tough again. Ohio, what's the Ohio State uh, situation at quarterback?
0: Uh, well, they've got, like, Kyle McCord that's there. Basically, they've got about two or three highly rated guys at a high school competing for the job. It, apparently, the scuttlebutt up there is, like, they've got some real, real talent at the skill positions. Yeah. Which, like, that's the – okay, that's been the same thing for a while now. We know the issue with Ohio State are they tough yeah. enough up front or not can they can they can they beat michigan in the trenches i know they're going to be good at the skill positions i know they're probably going to be good at quarterback that's not what i want to know with ohio state
1: well, yeah, no kidding. I don't care if they've got Gary McCord playing quarterback or not. Gary McCord. Are they going to be able to play defense? That's all anyone cares about. Uh,
0: but we'll be calling him Gary McCord all year long. <laughs> Five is uh, LSU and Florida State in Orlando.
1: Okay, that's yeah. A, that's that's a, an opener, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. Week one, September 3rd. How about
1: that? You've got uh, LSU, one of the best venues in college football. you got the Swamp in Florida. Why play it at either one of those? Let's go play at crappy Russell Athletic Stadium or whatever yeah. it is. Uh, Teddy Actually, breaking, it's a pretty good stadium.
0: Teddy, breaking news that uh, Florida State will play at the Swamp from here on out, since that's what he just called uh, Dope Campbell
1: Stadium. Oh, sorry. Um, I thought it was. I thought you yeah. said Florida LSU. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I don't Florida know if he's. State I don't know if he's not SEC
0: LSU. ready or if he's too SEC ready, claiming that Florida State plays at uh, the Swamp. Oh, no, sure. so
1: you're telling me they don't have alligators in Tallahassee? I don't think
0: so. No, it's only in Gainesville, only in that part of Florida. <laughs> uh, Tennessee at is at number four. Yeah, yeah, that'll be sweet.
1: That's going to be – well, I don't know if it'll ever live up to what last year's game was. Incredible. That was, uh, that was about as wild as it gets.
0: Uh, is Alabama every game on this list? Geez. Three, LSU at Alabama. Yeah. God, Alabama's course. home schedule this year. They get Texas, they get Tennessee, and they get LSU. That that'd be all right. I'd take that one, no please. Kidding.
1: Who else they got? What's? Uh, uh, Did that? Is anything different on their schedule this year? They got any? Uh, they're at Kentucky, at Auburn, Arkansas at home. At they got they're at A and M again, at Mississippi State. So. That's a sweet yeah.
0: home schedule, though. That's one worth paying for.
1: Yeah, really is. Ole Miss, Texas at home. Ole Miss at home. Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU. And Chattanooga.
0: Well, great. Their worst home game is comparable with our best home game around here. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, Georgia at Tennessee is at number two.
1: Uh, By far and away, uh,
0: Georgia's toughest game. But that game wasn't epic last year, though, is a thing. Like, no. If you put it at two, you think it's like, oh, it's Georgia's toughest game. But that game just it had a lot of hype around it, and it was just, it was okay.
1: Not epic, but it was in Athens. It's that's going to be a different story in uh, in November when if Tennessee has a good has a good year rolling and they're hosting Georgia and that's a top you know top five or top ten matchup that's going to be that's going to be quite the atmosphere number It'll one be different for Georgia like well, that that's got to be one of the more difficult road games Georgia's played in a while right
0: well they haven't played at Alabama in twenty five years so yeah, yes no it, it should be yes it will be. Uh, number one, Ohio State at Michigan, November 25th.
1: Got to be number one. Has to be number one. The pressure is going to be on for old Ryan Day. Uh, I don't know. Like Michigan's going to be same old Michigan, right? They're going to be tough. They're going to be great on the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. And uh, they're going to make Ohio State try and throw it to beat them over the top and yeah, I'm I do not know. That's going to be fun, man.
0: No uh no OU in the top 10, I guess. Uh well, they don't yeah, play. No kidding. They, they don't play a whole lot of teams that beat them last year. Well, they don't there's a few off the schedule this year and Oh, you're yeah. telling
1: me the uh the 8 and 5, 6 and 7 matchup of OU Texas didn't make the top 10 this year?
0: Yeah, I don't know how a 49 nothing rematch doesn't make the yeah. list. Maybe well, it was on the honorable mention and I just missed it.
1: I understand why it, why it's not on the list, but by the time we play it, I have a feeling it's going, to be, it's going to be big time.
0: Better be, or something went really wrong with OU up to that point.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, can you imagine if, if Texas somehow goes in and beats Alabama and they're undefeated, No, OU's undefeated? Um, that's, really, that's what we should be hoping that's for. That's a
0: good question. Can I imagine that, what it's going to be like afterwards? I, I've seen some ridiculous hype with Texas, though. If they go into Tuscaloosa and win – No, I I don't think that I can imagine what people are gonna be saying about them after that. I I don't think I can imagine that.
1: Well, if it was anyone else in the country, it would be, well, you know, Alabama's just down. But if Texas pulls it off, ooh, buddy. And they're gonna throw they're they're gonna go immediately to throw shade at Texas A and M, right? Hundred percent. Ah, brilliant. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We're rolling out of here on a Friday from Riverwind. Stay tuned. The word is spreading,
0: and the Ref Army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only one station for true Sooner fans, and that's the Ref Radio Sports Network and worldwide on the k app. Ever wonder what? That's where Teddy's hanging out today, bringing you the final hour. Quick update in Kansas City, about a minute before halftime, in the Big 12 women's tournament, OU is up 36-34 on TCU in their first game in Kansas City. Looks like Maddie Williams did get the start for OU. Uh, she currently has two points, so Sooners have a two-point lead over the Horn Frogs. And on the men's side, we're about to get that going here in about 15 minutes or so. First game is Iowa State in Kansas at 6 p.m. Late game is TCU in Texas at 8:30. Uh, are you Iowa State's hot right now, man? Yeah. You think the, uh, Cyclones will beat the bill selfless KU Jayhawks here in about 15 minutes. KU minus four and a half, by the way.
1: Um, uh, no, I do not think they're going to beat KU, but wouldn't shock me if they did, Would not shock me if they did, they are hot. They're on a bit of a roll. Um, what did they say about self? Uh,
0: He's gonna miss the entire Big Twelve tournament in the hospital.
1: I saw what they say. It said standard procedure.
0: Well, KU released illness. Um, I've there was a report of a heart attack. I don't know if that's yeah. legit or not. It's kind of all over the place. Who knows?
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully he's okay, and you know, sounds like he'll be back for the NCAA tourney. And if that's the case, um, Kansas is going to be tough to contend with yet again. But. I don't know, It's. I guess it's hard to say how much of an effect him not being there is going to have on him in this game. Like, sometimes stuff like that, someone's had some type of illness or something, it can be a motivating factor a little bit, and team can kind of go out and play really well, but that can also wear off, you know. So, I don't know. We'll see.
0: Uh, let's see. Text line says, are Sooners playing a softball game right now? If so, what's the score? Ou played a softball game earlier. They won thirteen nothing in five innings. Uh, they're about to play Mississippi State. It's supposed to be at six p.m. I don't know if they're running late or not, but they are play Mississippi State tonight, and then Mississippi State again to uh, tomorrow afternoon, and then Omaha after that. So that's so the weekend schedule.
1: Jordy Ball threw the perfect game earlier today against what Southeast Louisiana. Correct. Who's who's throwing tonight?
0: I would guess.
1: Back-to-back perfect games,
0: <laughs> nah, be um, awesome. By Jordy that'd Ball. Be cool. Let's go. You're going to have a combination like your next two games are against Mississippi State. I would guess it's Storaco tonight and May tomorrow, but you may flip flop that.
1: How? Both- and Mississippi State's pretty good, right?
0: Yeah. What did I find today? They're like 17 and five so far this year. Um, they're they're okay. Like I- they're not
1: top 25. Yeah.
0: I mean, they're like they're a good team, but they're not the elite of the SEC. Yeah, you know, but I mean, it's an it's a, it'll be a nice test for them on the road.
1: Nice. Well, um, good. So, good.
0: So, what what gets your TV viewing attention this weekend? Is it the rest of the Big Twelve Men's Tournament? Is it yeah. Selection Sunday,
1: or
0: is it our Arlington Renegades on the road at St. Louis uh, against the Ray Battle Hawks as a uh, four point dog? Three PM on Sunday. I've enjoyed yeah. these uh, renegades games mostly because I've been betting on them, but that's beside the point. I've enjoyed watching them as well.
1: Let's see here if oh, the weather's supposed to be. It's not great. I bet I'll be. I bet I'll be watching a little bit of everything. I. It's hard for me anymore to. If I just put it on one thing, I end up like grabbing my phone and scrolling through Twitter. Same. But if. I'm watching kind of multiple things flipping back and forth. I feel like it keeps me a little bit more engaged. That's how, like, distracted we've become and how we have to have something constant keeping our attention or we move on to something else. So
0: uh, i probably, yeah. Betting prop for the uh, Arlington-St. Louis game on Sunday. Yeah. 0.5 times the Bob Stoops-AJ McCarron Sugar Bowl is shown during the broadcast.
1: Ooh. I hope the over hits over for sure. Yeah,
0: I think the head coach and like the quarterback that's tearing it up in the league, and the like most well known head coach. I think he got to show it. I think he got to.
1: Well, judging by the way the Renegades' first uh, three games have gone, take I don't know what the over under is, but (laughs) I'm taking the under.
0: A little bit of some issues on the offensive end of things. Yeah. Well, but, yeah but, their they, really but their defense is really good, But their
1: defense has been nailed. 36 man. and
0: they, a half is the over-under.
1: All day. They could play all eight day. quarters, take, and that
0: probably wouldn't hit the over.
1: Take the under and uh, watch Coach Stoops' team force three or four turnovers.
0: What did he tell us? That St. Louis has sold, like, over 30,000 season tickets?
1: He, he said 40. God. So... We'll see if if they if they pump in forty thousand people in because they're playing in the dome. If they got forty thousand people there watching that game, that'll be something. That'd be pretty pretty cool.
0: Oh, by the way, I uh, talked to the Renegades today. They are giving us uh, twenty free tickets for each of the final three home games to give away to our listeners. Wow! So look forward okay. to that, guys. We'll be doing that probably starting next week. Actually,
1: that's awesome. That's really cool. All right, let's hit a quick final timeout. Here from Riverwind, uh, remember, Earth, Wind & Fire, Collective Soul, Josh Turner, Gabriel, Iglesias, Dwight Yoakam, Counting Crows, ario Speedwagon, Chicago, Foreigner. they got a bunch of great bands that are going to start making their way through here. Uh, starting this summer, they're going to be announcing on Monday, March 13th, the final uh, dates for all of those concerts, and tickets are going to go on sale, I believe, Friday, March 17th. Uh, here at the uh, 10 a.m. at the box office and 11 a.m. online. So some really good stuff. Going to start coming through here at Riverwind again. Stay tuned. we got the final segment next.
0: Talking Sooner football is what we do. This is The Ref.
1: GMC continues its commitment to professional-grade engineering in the GMC truck series, like offering the world's first available six-function multi-pro tailgate on Sierra. This tailgate takes innovation to the next level, with six distinct functions that let you load, unload, and access the cargo box quicker and easier. The list goes on, but it's more than just innovative engineering. It's knowing G.